uh, I left you hanging with the promise of telling you a story about the uh, first feature film I worked on, uh, named The Ballad of Cold Fish. So here we go. Uh, I'd been out of Panico for a year and I'd worked, uh, I got to know a lot of people from Panico and there was this American guy who uh, was the first AD on this feature film and he was trying to get a lot of crew on board. So he got me and a few other people to come on and do this feature film called Cold Fish. Now this was back in uh, 98. Okay. Oh no, 19, was it? Yes, it was 98. Yes, because I made my first um, short film as we were filming this. And uh, yeah, so um, I got on board this as a runner and uh, I was told it was low budget, uh, that they were filming for six weeks, that they would take care of uh, expenses and it would be deferred payment. Now, at this point, I'd never heard of deferred payment. But for those who don't know, deferred payment is that um, you get paid after the film is released. So the idea is that if the film makes money, you make money. Uh, in this case, um, I get paid a fee and it wasn't a percentage, didn't get any points. So if the, if the money was able, if the film was able to make money, then you get paid. But uh, little did I know that in the industry, this is also known as no payment. <laughs> not... Not many people have ever seen anything from a deferred payment. I know I haven't. <laughs> well, there is the story about the crew of Four Weddings and a Funeral, that breakout British hit, who never saw a penny. Wow. They were all on deferred payment and didn't see a penny from it. And they had to take them to court to actually get some money from it, which, uh, which was disgusting. But it seems to be it's it seems to be that something that happens with deferred payment. I, I think in the case of Cold Fish was they just did not make any money because Cold Fish was the biggest pile of shit I have ever worked. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I'm been on record saying that, so this is not new. Did it get released? Is this a film that's out there or not? Yes, it is. It's out there on DVD. Uh, it's a, a white cover and uh, it has the blurb the most controversial film ever oh yeah I've got I've, 2010 no no wrong cold fish oh. uh, you, you want um, it, look up the director David Fairman yeah he's actually gone on to make quite a few films that was really surprising um Anyway, so I got I got brought onto this onto this shoot. Uh, they're filming on sixteen mil, and the story is that um, uh, this guy is working at a news um, station, and he wants to become a cameraman. Uh, but he just sort of he does like little video jobs on the side, like um, filming a um, a music video. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's very realistic. Um, the 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 girls finish their uh, performance, and then he goes, he he stops fin filming. He goes, "Good job, girls," and walks off. And you think, "Oh, is he not going to shoot anymore? <laughs> is that it? Is he just going to do the one more?" <laughs> you know, he's you know walks off and talks to somebody. Um, so by a chance encounter, he meets these two video artists 
who uh, turn violence into art. So uh, the filmmakers have got all this sort of um, newsreel footage of violence and crashes and death and stuff, and then just uh, tinted them. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, they, in, I, I saw the film, God help me. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they, um, yeah, they, they, they intercut these images into the, into the film itself just to sort of show you, oh, we're edgy and this is really violent. And, ooh. Okay. But anyway, so the, the wife takes an interest in our hero and uh, drives him to their um, country manor where on the way of uh, driving along this country lane, uh, she, they knock over a, uh, a tramp because, as everybody knows, the British countryside is littered with tramps just walking down the road. <laughs> You'll never find them on in the city or in shopping centres or by um, cash machines. They are busy littering the roads of the countryside. And just just to be to warn you, watch out for them because you know they 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 have no idea of where they are. So they knock over this poor gentleman who's walking down the road, this tramp, and. Um, our hero runs off to get an ambulance and uh, the girl kills him, kills the tramp. Oh. I wish she killed the lead guy, but no, no such luck. <laughs> um, films it. And of course, this will come back in, in, in at the end of the story. So they finally make it to the country manor where uh, it turns out to be a trick that uh, our hero is now the, um, the sort of... Um, point of their new uh, display and exhibition and they film his reactions so they stage this elaborate shooting scene and um, yeah there's this whole bit where they give him a gun and he's like it's not real there's no real bullets in it and he shoots the husband and um, she, you know and the wife's down oh my god he's dead He's dead. And of course, the hero is like, oh, my God, what have I done? But he's being filmed when this is happening. So the question is, who's holding the camera? <laughs> because he's not holding the camera. The wife is down by the husband and the husband's playing dead. So who the fuck's holding the camera? <laughs> <laughs> so they he comes back to London. He's not happy about this. He doesn't like being you know, part of the exhibition. And for some reason, the husband wants to kill him, probably because he slept with a wife. And it, they just go in and trying to ruin his life. And by the end of it, you probably want to shoot yourself because it's just fucking awful. <laughs> there is, <laughs> there's a, a review on YouTube. There's probably the only review. And um, I have, and he points out about who is holding the camera. And that's that's my favourite bit of the review, so that's why I sort of I've nicked it and used it in this. So I just full full disclosure, I'm not saying that who's holding the camera is my idea, but it is something that you do notice if you ever get to watch the film and let's hope you never do. So not a good experience. <laughs> no, not to watch, but not to work on either. So from day one things just went wrong. We were filming out in a manor in a manor house out in Oxfordshire. And we would have to drive uh, all the way from London to there and back. And the first day we fell behind schedule. 
they had this elaborate gag where um, the husband, the artist, is shooting at statues. And uh, so they had to plant squibs on a statue and all this kind of stuff. And um, that was taking forever. Uh, this is where I got introduced to uh, the, the main actor played by John Paul Gates, uh, who at the time I didn't realize was also the producer of it. And there's a good reason why he's the producer, because he can't act. <laughs> he is, don't hold back, Simon. Say terrible. what you think. <laughs> I'm not going to hold back. I'm not, I'm not going to hold back. I mean, it's uh, he is an awful actor. Well, I mean, I'm going to say this stuff because I have to say, at the end of the day, the, the filmmakers on this shoot treated the crew really bad. OK, I was going to say, um, that, you know, fair point. Um I don't know. I mean, you know, I've no idea if people are listening to this stuff or not, but if they are and if there's somebody out there, you know, that, that, that's maybe interested in in breaking into the industry or whatever. Um, could you explain uh, Because obviously I know, but they might not know out there. So as a runner, what what was it exactly that you had to do on this film? Well, um, I started off as a production runner. So the, the idea was so that uh, I had a car. And um, my first task was to bring crew to the location. So I actually had to drive into town, pick them up and then drive them to the location out in Oxfordshire. So I literally would leave my house, drive into town and then drive past my house to go back out. And. Um, and, all, you know, so that was my first task. And then my second task was there to be like a, a second pair of hands. And. Um, you know you know go and get shopping if needs be or help out you know help the art department help the lighting crew help the camera camera department i did all that kind of stuff actually i mean it was from that point of view it was really good so did you learn things on this film i mean was it was it a worthwhile experience i i will say that i learned how not to make a film (laughs) love it I I I learned so many lessons on that film about how not to you know how not to make a film. So uh, what started happening is because people needed their expenses replaced every day, they would give you a check, and it soon off in the middle of the first week we started being told not to cash them because they were bouncing. So people were you know, putting these into the bank and of course they bounce and of course the banks would charge them for it. So they were losing money straight away. Um, There was one day where there was no food and I actually went out and bought shopping, you know, food for the cast and crew. I, I, I put a hundred pounds on my credit card. Bloody hell. Yes. And uh, thankfully, I was able to get that expense back. But there were some people who put money into that film who never saw saw it again. You know, I was the only reason why I was able to get that money back was because I was actually at one point driving the director around so I could actually have a go at him. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I could bend his ear about it. But yeah, so what was happening was we were falling behind schedule. They had written up a schedule where they 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 had hoped for the best that they hoped that everything would run like clockwork and of course it wasn't and the end of the second day we finished about two in the morning and they wanted us back there at seven o'clock the crew held a meeting and turned around to the director and said no we're not doing that 
They've not heard of a turnaround, clearly. <laughs> We'd have to leave two in the morning, get back to London three, four o'clock in the morning, and then have to get back there for seven. That ain't happening. People want their sleep. So we came back that evening. So what happened the first week was we were, be- we were behind schedule and they had scheduled this stunt, which I mentioned in the uh, synopsis about the tramp being knocked over. They had a stunt man to play the tramp and they also had a stunt car. So they lost both of them because of this, this falling behind schedule. So what they had to do was run around and try and find another stunt man and another stunt car. Found a stunt man, couldn't find a stunt car. So the first AD came up with the bright idea, I'll rent a car. So he <laughs> went out and he rented a BMW Z3. Brand new car at the time. And um, so, yeah, we set up. Uh, along this country road uh, it's not blocked off that was one thing that was very strange we didn't have runners with walkie talkies blocking the road off so any cars any traffic could have come along that way the other thing was um, they had um, wrecked a, a field to film from now the guy had told them that he we could film up the far end but not to film amongst his crop the director didn't like that, so he moved the camera t- into the middle of his crops. And, of course, uh, when the farmer came along and saw this, he was very pissed off. And this actually became a trait throughout the rest of the film, where um, the director pissed off every location we went to because they would always fall behind schedule or they had promised them something and it didn't quite work out. Or, uh, I don't know, I think one time there was something got damaged. Anyway, so getting ready to film this stunt. So they do a rehearsal. Works fine. Guy rolls over the bonnet. Everything's happy. Brilliant. Director wants to do another rehearsal. The gaffer goes, maybe we should roll on this one. (laughs) Yeah. You know it's going to happen. Everybody's in position. You know, roll camera, speed, clapperboard, action. Car comes along. Guy rolls over, crack. He smashes the windscreen and dents the bonnet. The first AD's face is a picture. It was like the whole, all his blood drained out of his face. He looked like that um, that painting of the face with the, the wide mouth and the hands. <laughs> yes. The, they, had, they then filmed the stunt again and again and again but they had to still use the same car with a smashed uh, windscreen and dented bonnet so there, there wasn't many angles they could use so and they get the shot and we move out and the first ad is busily phoning up bmw dealerships and garages to see if anybody can repair it and of course because where we are most places close early on a Friday and not open at the weekend. So he couldn't find anything. And he was absolutely shitting himself. He just, he just he didn't know what to do. So while that's happening, back at the uh, country manor, the art department are packing all the uh, props away. They had borrowed everything from uh, various sort of, um, I don't know, shops and stuff 
you know, they, they hadn't paid to keep this stuff. They were just borrowing it or renting it. And so the art department packed them all into the back of a van because they had promised that you'd bring them back at the end of the Friday. And uh, they drove off with it. <laughs> so the director decided that he'd call the police. Ah, oh dear. Right, okay. Yeah. This, this sounds like movie hell. <laughs> oh, it is. So he called the police on his own art department. Yeah. Well, so I've been told. I'm going to say this now. Nothing happened. I don't believe the police followed them up. Or he, it was just like a threat. But uh, that was what, as a crew, we heard that he'd phoned the police on them. Yes. And uh, this is when we started to have crew quitting on us. We actually had a, a hairdresser there. Uh, very nice girl. Uh, vegan. We also had uh, a catering department. Uh, the guy who was the chef who was running it, he looked like he'd be at home at a greasy spoon cafe. <laughs> and he thought it was his challenge in life to make a vegan eat meat. Okay. She she got fed up pretty quickly and left. Lovely girl. Um, I'm sure she's gone on to bigger and better things. But um, that was the end of the first week. <laughs> Glad you are. And then, yeah, so second week we moved back to London. Uh, they still had stuff to film back at the, the Country Manor in Oxford, but they had to, you know, they had a location they needed to film there. And so I started driving um, the director around, and I started picking up the actors. Now, I had to go and pick up uh, an actor from Paddington Station. But instead of driving back to the location, I had to go and pick somebody else up at the same time. And, of course, she lived in Cricklewood. So I drove this poor guy from Paddington to Cricklewood and into the location. When Once we arrived there, it was like, uh, uh, you're late. Yeah, well, I was told to do this, 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 uh, which I did. And, you know, I was only following instructions. So, again, they're already behind schedule. And this time it's my fault. <laughs> you know, not much I can do about it. Uh, so at the end of the day, I had to drive them both back. What they didn't tell me was I didn't need to come back at all. So I drove back to the location and everybody gone. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, this is this is what people don't realise is, you know, mm. particularly low budget independent filmmakers sometimes is making films or any type of production like this is is difficult under the best of conditions it's difficult right so when when you really don't have you know the resources that um that you perhaps need to to uh, to bring the, the 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 script to life you know that that's that's the point where you have to sort of start to try and use your imagination a little bit and find other other ways of doing it and and the absolute key thing is you can't get stuff done without people and You've got to treat people right. I mean, you've got to, at the very least, feed people and let people have a proper amount of sleep and turn around between uh, shoot dates. And, um, you, you know, it sounds like that these these guys made every sort of schoolboy error that, 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 there, that there is out there so far from what you've told. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and I bet it gets worse, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's... What kept happening was, um, you know, it was it was just 
error after error, they just didn't seem to care. And what turned out to be was that they were making this film so that they could go and make another film. Right. And so this was a means to an end. I I, I read a story on IMDb. I'm not sure if it's still there um, by the actual script writers who had sold the script to them and said that um, that their, their script had been gutted. That all the all the good stuff that had been in there was um, gone, you know, absolutely just taken out, and just what was left of uh, of the script was just the the bare bones, the basics, just so that they could make something. I mean, I mean, was, I mean, what just happened was that it got it got worse, and people started leaving, and. Um, you know, they just fell behind, behind, behind. I left after the third week. I stayed for three weeks and that was it. I got fed up. And then um, people I knew were still, there was one or two still working it because they just really wanted to get that deferred payment that they believed mm. they were going to, you know, get get the film made. I mean, I, the only thing I can say is I worked with uh, Christopher Biggins, who was lovely and probably the best thing in the whole film. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that's the saying something. If, <laughs> if you can say that Christopher Biggins steals the show, you. I love the fact <laughs> you've actually got that recorded. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It it was an experience where I learned how not how not to make a film. And, well, sometimes uh, that can know. be good as well. I mean, you know, um, there are, I mean, there are an awful lot of people out there trying it. Um, uh, but, you know, unfortunately, there's an awful lot of people out there that, that don't know what they're doing. You know, you've got to kind of learn the basics first. And certainly if you're producing a, a film, you know, and you're having to deal with a small budget, you have to make sure that, you know, First of all, things are done safely, uh, safety first, yeah. But also, yes. yeah. I mean, that stunt sounds like horrendous straight away, what was going on there. But also, you, yeah. you've got to make sure in your budget that you allow for um, enough food uh, and water and supplies like that to um, to keep the, the cast and crew going. Because without them, you don't have a movie. And, you know, we're, we're not talking about poor people either. I mean, the, the, these are guys who had money. Always the way, and they just in this they weren't willing to spend it or put the correct amount in. As I say, that as I said, I found out later that they were trying. It was a film that they were making so they could make another film, something that they actually had passion in, and this was just a means to an end. And of course, at the end of the day, that's not going to make a great film if that's your aim. You know, you 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 want to if you're making a film, you want to make it because. It's, it's it's something that you feel you have to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, You've got to be passionate yeah. about it. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. Um, you know, particularly if money isn't involved, then 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 what? Why bother? Either you want to, it's a story you're passionate about and you want to tell, or that you want to learn. You know, to use something or try something. You know, um, those those are the reasons to. Uh, to, to, to do it and it sounds like these guys I mean you know I, I don't know any of them but it sounds to me like they were doing this for completely the wrong reasons from from what you're saying you know yeah. which is a shame yeah I mean the the other stories I heard uh, once I left was that the um, 
location manager actually had to break into their offices to uh, to to because they got kicked out because they couldn't afford the bill, and so he actually broke in to get something that they had left in there. Um, the, a van got um, uh, scratched down the one side because the guy driving it, you know, didn't have a license. Um, oh God. <laughs> there were so many there were so many stories it was literally after i left it was like you come in every week to panico and you'd hear what the latest thing had happened on on set i mean i hear they got a uh, a replacement runner who was just very delightful and was so disruptive and you know got in everybody's faces and also the fact that uh, when it came to meal time that he'd force his way in front of everybody and i'm eating first and i'm just like Wow, it sounds like a right nutter. But yeah, it's the end of the day. It took ages for the film to finally come out. And uh it wasn't very good. I, I will put a link up on the uh in the podcast notes to this video. Well worth checking out. Um yeah, just it's a terrible film. <laughs> and uh just hope you never ever get to watch it. But the the problem is just to be warned that, you know, those people are out there. And they're they are making films and they're they're looking to exploit people in the worst kind of way and uh you know if if you find yourself on a shoot like that walk just leave it because at the end of the day it, it's not going to affect your professionalism because they're not professional it's not going to affect your standing in the industry because they probably don't have connections in the industry or that the industry is probably far bigger than it is within that uh, that shoot. So you know, if if you're on a shoot and you you don't like what's happening, if you feel like you're being treated badly, you can walk. You know, and the thing is about deferred payment is you probably not see it. Uh, you know. Yeah, no, it is unlikely. Avoid them because so many people have to get paid first. So. <laughs> Um, yeah. you end up right the way down the, the, the picking order. And, uh, you know, it's very unlikely that most of these films will make money back for some time anyway. So, um, yeah, it's no good banking on deferred payment, that's for sure. I mean, I always make a point on my films and make it profit share. So the idea is that if the film makes profit, then you get a share of it instead of, you know, putting you on a list of people where you know, you might get paid. Yeah, no, that's kind of like the theatre um, approach, isn't it? The fringe theatre approach. And, uh, you know, that 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 can, you, you that way you do at least have some chance, although it's still, you know, sometimes small, but some chance of getting something. Uh, whereas a deferred payment, you know, unless you're, you know, at the top of the pecking order, uh, it's pretty unlikely, isn't it? So, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it happens to everybody. There's, uh, I always say f film shoots are either the best experience or the worst experience. And for me, Coldfish was definitely the worst experience. But I learned a lot about it. I mean, I was during the week I was working on that and at weekends I was making my own film. And once I finished shooting my own film, I decided to walk on that one because at the end of the day, it just wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. And it probably helped me making my film because then I wasn't stressing about it through the week because I was doing something else. And I was just, you know, just 
as I say, I learned how not to make a film. And it's probably the best lesson you could ever learn. Because at the end of the day, a lot of filmmakers now who start off as directors don't know what it's like to be crew. They don't know what it's like to be on a set, be starving, you know, tired, bored, unexcited, you know. Just, you know, those things that the that members of the crew will go through, that they're doing for you. And just to have that appreciation. I mean, I just I was on a shoot last week and the uh DOP was using one of those uh Ronin rigs. They're these uh, sort of handheld gimbals. Mm-hmm. And uh it was so hot in there and he was sweating buckets and it's it's not light, you know, with the camera and everything on there, it's not light. And every shot was using this device. So every chance I got, I was in there giving him water. Because I'm a camera operator too, and I know what that's like. Mm-hmm. And just the fact, just to, you know, to alleviate somebody's uh, suffering under those conditions. Because it's tough. It really is tough. And so this the least I could do. Because I wasn't doing anything. I was helping with the lights. So once the lights are set up, that's my job done. And so uh, anything to help. But that's only because I have empathy for that because I've been in that position myself. And that's what I feel like a lot of directors and producers don't know because they've not been in that position, you know. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, uh, in fact, it it might have even been Finch or it might tie into what, you know, our podcast. Was he the one that (laughs) said that uh, somebody famously said, you need to, if you're going to be a film director, you need to understand what everybody's job is on the set. Oh, I, I think I mentioned that in the last podcast extra, and that was uh, Spielberg. Spielberg. Okay, well, you can't you yeah. can't get any better than that. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I yeah. mean, and, and it is true. You you need to respect what everybody's doing and understand what everybody's doing, and um, you, you you know. Um, you know, I always get kind of, you know, frustrated with those people that think, you know, because they've got a, a, a half-decent camera and some editing software on their laptop or whatever that they're suddenly now a film director. And it's like, well, you've got the tools to do it, but, you know, there's still a lot more to it and you need to go away and, and you know, do some some research and, and have some idea of, of how it all works, you know. <laughs> Well, my reply to that is that um, if if you're in that situation, then don't get a big crew on board. Start off small. You and a couple of mates or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do it that way. It's fun. Yeah. Because if you've got, I mean, the thing is, the bigger the crew that gets, the more um, organized you have to be. You have to be so organized because it's you've got all those people. So you've got to take care of them. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to make sure that, everything's covered that they get there on time that everything's done safely that you have enough time to do everything because you forget that you know all that setting up takes up time so if you are somebody who has a camera and a laptop then just go out have fun work do it with your mates and just slowly build up to that point but i just remember that they are human beings you as a director you sometimes forget you know that you're not hungry because you're running on adrenaline you know You've been planning this for ages and this means so much to you, but to, to the gaffer, it may not mean anything at all. It might be just yeah. another job for him. 
you know, and the end of the day, yeah, all he's thinking absolutely. about is when I'm going to get fed. So, you know, just, just keep that in mind when you're, when you're making films. And also, you know, we always say, be prepared, you know, come there knowing what you're going to do. Don't be wasting people's time, you know, cause that's one luxury you don't have. You never have enough time on a shoot. You just, you need to get on. You need to get, this, get going, get these shots done, get people out of there, get done. So, you know, preparation's the key. And, you know, don't have discussions about the shots or the maison scene and stuff in the middle of a shoot. Well, you know, I think I think I think it's important that you're sharing something like that, Simon, because you know it is it is um it is important and uh um yeah, there are a lot of people out there doing it the wrong way. <laughs> so uh yeah. But uh yeah, just so I say if you're a filmmaker then just think of people underneath you and if you are crew just remember that if you're not in you're not happy with the situation just leave and it won't affect your career at all if anything because uh, at the end of the day you know it probably be a film that uh, people have not heard of because when they look at your cv it's it's the films or the projects that you have heard of is what they'll be interested in and that would just be you know just another credit or just don't list it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hadn't heard of this one until you mentioned it. So, um, yeah. 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 All right. But I think I think next week we'll uh, sorry next time we'll uh, talk about our own work and our our own productions because uh, you know that's what we're really about. Really, is sort of our own work. Cool. So ultimately, what all this um, working on other people's projects was our goal was to, to make our own absolutely absolutely so yes i think uh, so uh next time we will be uh talking about our first uh projects okay can can definitely yeah. do that that's not a problem <laughs> <laughs> so um if you want to sort of jump ahead and uh to to be on the same level with us i would recommend going to both our youtube pages and watching our first shorts, which uh, for me is Firepower. Yeah, and for me is a film called Overpass, which is on the YouTube page. So you've got some homework this time. Go out, watch those shorts, and then uh, the next podcast extra, we will talk about them. Lovely. So, um, as I said, you can find uh, my work on um, independentrunnings.com, which has firepower there, or my YouTube channel, which uh, the link is, well, if you go to YouTube and look for Independent Runnings. And Keith, how can we find your work? Yeah, if you want to see Overpass, that is actually on YouTube now. So if you go to YouTube and put in British Isles, which is E-Y-L-E-S, uh, as in the spelling of my surname, um, that will find a page with, with my films on there. And I believe Simon is also attaching a link uh, to this cast as well. Yes, I always do. Thank you. Uh, so you can follow us on Facebook at uh, Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. And we're also on Twitter at uh, Movie Heaven Hell. All right. See you at the movies. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye.